Well, we're in the fourth week of what it means to let our light shine. And uh, last week, we talked about the four different kinds of people we encounter when we go to share Jesus with others. Uh, using some biblical examples, uh, we know that we can find people who are seeking God, like, a Nic- like Nicodemus, and that's actually one of the texts I'd like you to turn to this morning. So uh, you can go ahead and turn to John chapter 3 in your Bible, if you'd like to follow along with that. Uh, some people, their heart is bent to seek already, like they're kind of already asking questions. Some people are very open, they're not necessarily asking, but like if you bring up a spiritual conversation, like they would love to engage with that. And uh, we talked about the Samaritan woman last week and kind of walked through how Jesus started with a very normal situation of just being thirsty and turned that into a spiritual situation, being able to share the gospel uh, with that lady. And if you got your email this week, you know we sent out a whole bunch of questions that kind of designed to help make that turn. Like if you said, I'd love to bring up spiritual things and have like a real conversation with my neighbor or a coworker, but I just don't know how to start the discussion, uh, that list of questions is one possible way to do that. And then a few weeks ago, we looked at King Agrippa, who was conversant. He wasn't necessarily open in his heart, but you know he was willing to have a conversation. And I feel like a lot of people that we meet around us are in that category. And so having a discussion about spiritual things might be a step in the right direction for them, even if it's not that they're kind of coming with a a fully open heart attitude. And then, of course, you do meet some people like Herod in the Bible who are very closed. You know, they just have their own agenda. They, They might even react negatively or violently or whatever if you try to bring up matters of faith. And for those people, we just say, okay, you know, we don't have to push anything at anybody, but we pray for those people and ask for God to open their heart. Um, So how we do it is where we've come the last three weeks. We talked last week about starting spiritual conversations, and that's kind of your entry point into being able to shine light into someone's life. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we we talked about sharing our testimony, recognizing that that is the tool that God has put in every one of our hands to share our faith. Uh, The day that you become a Christian, you have a testimony. That's why some of the people that Jesus would encounter, they would meet Jesus and immediately they could go tell about Jesus to other people. They didn't have any theology down pat yet. They didn't necessarily go to a class about how to share, Uh, but they had a story to tell and that's, that's probably, for most of us, the most important or powerful thing we could share uh, when we're trying to share our faith with others. And then a couple weeks ago, we looked at explaining the good news, or at least we started to look at that, um, that there's a pathway of understanding that people need, and, and ultimately, our responsibility as witnesses is to help people see Jesus for who he is, we tell our experience with Jesus, and then we show them in God's word how they can also encounter Jesus. I was thinking about um, Peter's brother, Andrew. If you've ever looked at this in John chapter 1, Uh, Andrew, there's not a lot in the Bible about Andrew, but one of the things that he did really early on, on day one of encountering Jesus, is he went to his brother Peter and said, I think I found the Messiah. You've got to come and meet him. And that's all it took then for Peter to become a Christian or to come and meet Jesus and then become a Christian. And obviously the rest is history. Peter made a great difference in the world, and it started with Andrew just being a testimony, being a witness uh, to his brother. So there's all sorts of ways that God might give you an opportunity to share in someone's life, to give them a little bit of a spiritual input, to remind them of spiritual things, 
maybe even to open up the Bible and walk through with them how to follow Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about today, how we actually invite a person to join us in our walk with Jesus. Uh, presumably, those of you in the room who have become Christians, someone did this, right? I mean, maybe a parent, maybe a preacher somewhere, maybe a friend, uh, maybe a youth leader, someone looked at you and invited you to become a Christian. And when you responded to that invitation, God did a miracle in your heart, a work started, and suddenly your whole life was on a new trajectory. And that moment of invitation is really, really important. So I wanted to take a little bit of time just to zero in on that, um, just to help us be ready, not because we necessarily go out and give an invitation to everyone that we ever talk to, because some people aren't open, some people don't want to hear it. Uh, but for those that have an open heart, and you sense that, uh, this is the way you step forward and invite them to join you in walking with Jesus. So we'll give a couple ground rules for it first, and then I'll walk you through uh, one pathway to do it. The first principle um, on top of all of this is to be patient. Because normally, people don't make dramatic, life-altering decisions you know, in one second. Sometimes they do. Uh, for better or for worse, but typically you're going to have a person who's in the middle of a process of learning about Jesus, and at some point in that process, they come to the point of decision. And so whether or not you're early in the process for them or later, it's not really the issue. Remember the Apostle Paul said, hey, some people plant the seeds, some people water the seeds, God makes those seeds grow. So we just want to be used in the process. So sometimes you have to be patient, and you have to recognize that People are not open overnight. I remember as a kid, uh, my mom became a Christian and just so wanted my dad to join her in the faith. And, and, and for so many obvious reasons. I mean, my mom was excited about following Jesus and my dad was lagging behind. He was actively going the other direction. And, uh, and for five years, every time our church would have like an open prayer request moment, my mom would raise her hand and say, would you pray for my husband's salvation? Um, our church growing up, just like our church here, um, gives a little prayer list printout, um, and you can, you can pray along. My dad's name was on that very, very frequently, um, asking for Larry Jarvis to become a Christian, just asking God to do the miracle that no one else knew how to do. And, uh, and you know, after five years, the nut finally cracked and my dad became a Christian, but it took a lot of patience and a lot of process to get that whole thing through. And so sometimes when you want to be a light to someone, you recognize it's not going to happen overnight. Okay, so we go to John 3, and we see Jesus exercising this kind of patience with Nicodemus. Now, we'll start in verse 1. Obviously, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, every time Jesus encounters someone and shares the good news, the story comes out a little differently, but it's all centering on the same primary issue. Okay, so we'll see that in Nicodemus' life here. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again. 
Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. You can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? Jesus was starting here with Nicodemus, who was open-hearted, seeking. I mean, he was asking the question, hey, I, I want to know more. But Nicodemus didn't have a lot of understanding about, I mean, what's interesting here is he was one of Jewish, the, the Jewish leaders, a respected teacher across Israel, so he would have had extreme knowledge and understanding of the law, of the Old Testament narrative, but when it came to matters of the Holy Spirit, he was right there at the beginning going, wait, born again? What, what are you even talking about? How's that even possible? So here's Nicodemus at square one. Now, when you move through the story, Nicodemus shows up again at the crucifixion of Jesus as one who helped bury the body of Jesus. Later, and again, just like, you know, as you, as you track the narrative, you've got the Gospels, then you have the book of Acts, and then there's more history after the book of Acts, but it's not recorded in the Bible. It's the, you have to go to other sources to find it. Um, those other sources would say that sometime after Jesus' resurrection, Nicodemus declared himself to be a Christian. Um, he was put out of the synagogue, and he essentially lost everything. Um, people who would have had the position Nicodemus had would have likely been very wealthy. Um, he was probably, there's a, if you do a little historical back study on it, uh, there's, he was probably kind of a leading citizen of Israel, and he would have been kind of popular. Everyone might have known his name. And there were a few Nicodemuses at that time, and so the historians don't know, is he the one that was popular or not? But probably he was, and probably he had a pretty good life going. But the day that they put him out of the synagogue, the day all of that was the day all of that ended. And, uh, and one story says that actually another member of the synagogue who was open-hearted but not declaring to be a Christian, Gamaliel, he actually let Nicodemus stay in his second home outside the city. <laughs> so kind of interesting when you read, kind of read further than the book of Acts, there's a little bit more, more to some of these characters. But I think about the storyline here and how for Nicodemus, there was a period of probably two to three years before he went from his open heart in John 3 to actively declaring his faith in Jesus um, and paying whatever price was necessary to do that. There, there was a process, right? It didn't happen overnight. So the person that you're praying for, the friend that you have in your heart where you're like, I want them to know what I know. I want them to experience the life of Jesus. That might happen miraculously in one moment. Or maybe the seed has already been planted and watered for however long it needs, and you're just going to walk in at the end and kind of get to reap the harvest there. Uh, but many, many times we, we find that God uses us as a part of someone's process to eventually meet him. Uh, so be patient. Just kind of re recognize that God is going to use you every time you bear witness. That, that means something. That helps a person move forward. Uh, but you may not always see the results immediately from that. Here's another ground rule as you go out to make that invitation. Be unshockable. 
Your job isn't to judge the person, it's to introduce them to God's love and truth. So remember when the woman was caught in adultery in John 8, and everybody was all riled up and they were getting ready to execute this lady, and Jesus comes along and offers love, forgiveness, perspective, a new path forward. Um, Jesus didn't join the stone throwers in that moment. He He didn't come in that moment to be the judge of that lady. Instead, he offered the hope. So being unshockable is kind of an interesting thing to practice um, and to try as you share your faith. So I don't know if you've ever had any just really crazy stuff thrown at you, but um, in the context of being a pastor, that does happen to me fairly frequently. Sometimes the shock is like how people act, like you thought they were grown-ups and they're, they're not acting like it. Uh, other times it's how, what people are doing and you're thinking like, oh my goodness, how did this, how did this even happen? And so it's, it's an interesting exercise to try to not let that shock show on your face, right? To be unshockable, to recognize no matter what people are doing out there, God's mercy and truth is for them. And so you want to be an agent of that, not of your own opinion about the person's situation. The toughest one of those I ever had was sitting, at, um, sitting with a guy in jail ministry. So he was, he was an inmate. He asked to speak to a chaplain, and uh, I answered that little kite that they sent in and met with the guy and he said yeah I just need some advice I've got five kids on the way with five different women I'm just you know face stone here like how do you okay wow uh, and then he said so what do you think I should do <laughs> um, I still don't know the answer to that question <laughs> a few years after that happened um, the, yeah, I did, we, we prayed, we, uh, I, I, you know, in that moment it was kind of like whatever seminary was worth, it didn't help then. Um, I said, well, do you have like, I don't know, like a favorite woman out of the five or like, like where, where could we start? You know, I, seems like something, I don't know. So, um, he didn't, uh, so I didn't really have anything to say. Uh, so we did pray and I said, man, um, you know, I, I gave him a big pep talk about fatherhood, and then he said, oh yeah, and I need a job. I was like, yeah, you do need a job. That's true. Uh, you're going to need a lot of jobs if you're going to make that work. Um, so, so our calling is not necessarily to go and be an expert on how to fix people's complicated situations, right? Those people exist, and that's helpful if you can help them through things like that. But as a Christian witness, your primary job is to be sharing about Jesus, not necessarily fixing problems. So when, when someone shares with you something really, really dark and difficult, you just start by taking a deep breath and saying, you know, God's grace is the only thing that can help this person in the same way that God's grace is the only thing that can help me. Uh, and so together we venture forward <laughs> trying to be unshockable. So then we get to this encouragement, which is to directly invite. When you have that person who has that open heart, Um, go ahead and invite them to join you on the journey with Jesus. Uh, Would you like to become a Christian is a great question to ask. Um, Or else you might leave that conversation and maybe the person was open and willing, but there was just never the moment to kind of cross the bridge. A couple alternate ways you might say that. Uh, Would you like to start following Jesus or would you like to ask Jesus into your life? Is there anything holding you back from becoming a Christian? I was having a cheeseburger with a guy one time that was not a Christian, and he was asking me all sorts of questions about, 
heaven and hell and suffering and pain and God's existence and, you know, just lots of stuff. And so we had a great conversation about all sorts of things. And he said, you know, I just, I just don't, don't think I, like, without these answers to these questions, I just don't think I can go forward. And I said, well, I don't have the answers to some of those questions. Like, some of that stuff is also beyond me. And I went forward, and I, I'm just telling you on the other side of it, I found all sorts of purpose and freedom and encounter with God. Like, there's all sorts of stuff on the other side of this decision. Are you really going to let, like, a few hang-ups that are, you know, like, distract you from all of your life's purpose being unlocked? He said, man, I never thought about it before like that. And, I, and he said, I'm kind of surprised to hear that you're saying you don't have all the answers. I said, well, I honestly don't. I, there's a whole bunch of challenges in, in theology and in Christian living and, in, and how you interpret the Bible that for centuries people have talked about. So it's not like you necessarily have to resolve every possible question before you could take a step of faith, right? A step of faith means I don't have all the answers, but I have enough to take a step. And, uh, and so that guy said, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that he actually did cross the bridge, he, but he was a lot warmer to it by the end of that conversation, just recognizing sometimes you step forward with what you know. So how do we actually invite a person to follow Jesus? I'd like you to turn in the Bible to Luke 14, to one of Jesus's invitations. Now, what's interesting about Jesus's invitations is that sometimes he says something to someone like, come and lay your burden down and I'll give you rest. Um, sometimes he says, believe in my father who sent me by believing in me. Um, there, there's a wide open door, come. And, or like he said to the Samaritan woman we read last week, you know, I'll, I'll give you living water. If you, um, th those, are, those are cheerful invitations. Sometimes the invitations are really difficult because he perceives in that person a resistance or something they're holding on to that they have to give up in order to really embrace the Christian life. And so to those people, he, he says, you have to give up your old way in order to join my way. Um, so here's how I like to summarize this, just for my own thinking to have a little grid in my mind. I don't always necessarily say all these words or exactly in this order, uh, but when I'm talking to a person about their faith commitment, the, this is the thing that I know needs to be happening in their heart, and this is what happened in my heart when I put my faith in Jesus. Uh, repent, believe, and follow. So repent is your new thinking. It's where you say, you know, I, I recognize my old way of life was the wrong way. So I repent from that. I'm turning away from my sin and I'm going toward Jesus instead. New faith is where you're, where you're putting your trust. So normally, I mean, regardless of how people dress it up, normally people trust in themselves, their own efforts, their own works, their own religious practices, their own pride, their own morality. So part of repenting is going, well, I'm no longer going to trust that. Instead, I'm going to put my faith somewhere else. We put our faith in Jesus, who died on the cross, who rose again to give us new life. And so when you put your faith in what Jesus has done, that's your step into Christianity. That's your step into becoming a believer in him. And then that kicks off a whole new era in your life, right? That's where you follow Jesus from that day until the day that you die. And I would imagine we'll keep following Jesus 
in heaven, so pretty much an eternal pursuit here of following Jesus, the new direction that we're given. We've, we turn away from our old way of thinking, our old lifestyle, and now we embrace this new way. So when I'm, when I'm speaking to someone about the gospel, or even honestly when I'm preaching to all of you on a Sunday morning and this comes up, this is what's going on in my mind, knowing that, that there's an aspect in which all of us have to repent and believe and follow in order to leave our old life and start our new life with Jesus. Uh, when you open up the Bible and you look for the gospel, you find these words all the time. Sometimes Jesus would walk up to a person and say, follow me. And that was it. And they had to step away from their, their lifestyle and move with him. Sometimes uh, the, the, the call would go out to put your faith in Jesus, that the person needed to believe, they needed to cross the bridge. That's kind of where Nicodemus started. It wasn't that his lifestyle was all in, going head in the wrong direction. I mean, he was a faithful follower of God as far as he knew, but now it was time to add to that faithfulness belief in Jesus. Um, and then sometimes the call is to keep walking in the new direction. So in the invitations that Jesus gives, um, one of the most striking is at the end of Luke 14, and I wanted to read that with you, um, just as a way of helping see what the stakes are. The stakes are really, really high, not just whether or not the person chooses to become a Christian. That's, you know, the stakes are high as far as do they experience forgiveness, healing, eternal life. There's a lot there. The stakes are also high when it comes to what they have to give up uh, to walk this new way. And sometimes I feel like in uh, maybe our modern spin on what Jesus said, we kind of wish we could soften it up. So we'll try to make the deal a little bit easier. But Jesus really didn't make the deal very easy, um, especially to people who had harder hearts or people who were holding on to something. So let's read what he said in verse 25. Remember, as Jesus would travel, he had his core disciples with him, and they, they got the inside scoop. But then you also had this since there were big crowds that would follow. They'd see a miracle, they'd have a free lunch or something, and wow, people start coming and following Jesus from there. So occasionally Jesus would say something that would thin out the crowd. I think it was probably one of those situations. A large crowd, so this is chapter 14, verse 25. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple... You must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. It's not exactly a way to attract followers, right? To say that to them. Uh, but he's basically saying, if you, if you really want what I'm offering here, because here's this whole crowd of interested people, right? So if you really want in on this, let me tell you what's involved. You have to leave your old life behind to the extent where it would look like you hate your old life and everybody associated with it because you've so embraced this new way. You have to pick up your own cross, an instrument of death, and follow me. So you can imagine a lot of the people in the crowd go, wait a minute, that's... Sounds, that's not exactly what I was signing up for. I was hoping to see another miracle, uh, but maybe not, maybe not take up my cross. Then Jesus goes on. He says, don't begin until you count the cost. 
For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to complete it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, oh, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? If he can't, he'll send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. You cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. So the stakes are maximum right there, right? Hey, if you want to follow me, if you really want in on this life, you have to leave behind your old life. Everything you cling to, whatever claim you have, whatever faith you have in yourself, uh, whatever possessions are holding on to you, you've got to give everything up if you want to follow me. So Jesus' invitations were not necessarily soft and comfortable, uh, but they were clear, right? It was a clear choice. Do you want to follow Jesus or not? Uh, do you want to become a Christian, a little Christ, or remain in your, your current way? So my challenge to you as you think about shining your light is, you know, you think at the beginning of the conversation, you, you bring up that spiritual question. Maybe you get to share your own story a little bit. Uh, maybe you walk through the Romans road or some other aspect of God's word that you can share with that person to kind of inform them of what they need to know, the, the, the data points that are necessary to put things together to become a Christian. Uh, but eventually there does come a moment of decision for them and for you. Uh, will you go ahead and say, okay, you know, hey, have you, heard, have you heard enough? What other piece of information do you need before you could make a decision to follow Jesus? Is there anything holding you back from doing that right now? Um, and when you make that invitation, don't necessarily be in your heart thinking, I have to convince the person to say yes, because you really don't. Jesus didn't. Jesus was willing to look at people and say, I don't think you should do this. <laughs> You're not ready. You have to give up everything if you do this. Um, and so in, in our hearts, we're not necessarily aiming to push people into a decision. Uh, we just want to lay out as a witness, here's what God's done for me. Here's what God's word says about good news. If you want to embrace it, here's the path. Would you like to embrace it? So that is our challenge then, to go out and shine that light and see who is open and who might respond. Um, one of the things that I've always been surprised by is how willing to talk people actually are. Because I tend to get built up in my mind that no one wants to talk. Nobody's friendly. No, I mean, I, it's, you know, it takes courage just to bring up whatever, the sports or weather conversation with some people because you just think, I don't think they want to talk to me, they're busy with their own thing. But when you break the ice and you get into these conversations, you might be really surprised at how open and interested people are in conversing about things of great importance. Um, occasionally, I've run into people who will, you know, I'll have a conversation with them and they'll just say, thank you for talking to me. I never get to talk to anyone about this kind of thing, which is interesting, right? Now, I kind of get a little free pass because I can say I'm a pastor and that sort of automatically brings up something Christian to talk about, right? So, so I recognize that. Um, but if you use one of those deep well questions, you might be able to jump right in and say, hey, you know, God is a really big part of my life. You just bring that up, and then you get to find out if that person might be willing to converse further. Um, so let's pray. Let's ask God for opportunities. And then I also want to 
offer you, like maybe you're hearing all this and we're talking about how to, like, how to talk about this to someone else, and you're saying, you know what, I'm glad you're talking about it to me. Like you would like to know more about this. And uh, so I could ask you the same question that we're teaching one another to ask today. Is there anything holding you back from deciding to follow Jesus today uh, and taking your next step of faith in him? Uh, it's as simple as saying yes to him. It's as simple as opening your heart and taking a step of faith and saying, okay, Lord, I'm willing to go forward with you. I want to put my faith in you instead of in myself. So if you'd like to talk to someone about that or pray with someone about that, I'd, be, I'd love to talk to you after church today. Probably a lot of our friends and neighbors sitting around would love to talk to you about that as well. Uh, but for now, let's pray and ask for God's help this week. Uh, Lord, you've given us so much to share. So much is in your word that we can o- open up to, that we can dive into, that we can um, bring out principles that could help people on their process toward becoming a Christian. Um, and Lord, you've also given us our own stories and encounters with you that, uh, that can help bridge the gap, that can help show a person what has been true in our life and help them um, become curious about that in their life. And so we, we pray for opportunities this week. I pray that you would give us boldness not only to bring up the conversation about spiritual things, but also boldness to talk about what your word says and boldness even to make an invitation uh, if that moment presents itself. So Lord, we look forward to shining your light, to being your ambassador wherever we go, and I pray that you would just empower all of us and give us opportunities um, this week to put these things into practice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, God bless you. We'll see you next week.